0: Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible-teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg.
1: But notice what he says to the elect lady and her children, whom I love, and the truth, the truth, the truth is so important, it's reality, It's, it's fact, it's certainty, that's what truth is, remember Jesus when he, in John chapter 14 verse 6, this is one of my favorite verses in all the Bible and hopefully is yours too, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and it's the same exact word here, I am the truth. Jesus is the truth. He's the full embodiment of all that is true. And it's reality. It's not something that's some story that somebody made up.
0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to Truth in Christ Radio. Today, Pastor Rob begins our study in the Apostle John's second epistle. It appears John is writing to a Christian woman and her children. Whomever the elect lady was, she was loved by all who have known the truth. If we know and love the truth, we will love those who also know and love the truth. The truth which abides in us... Also lives in others who know the truth. This shows that what binds Christians together is not social compatibility, or political compatibility, or class compatibility. What binds us together is a common truth. Now let's join Pastor Rob with today's study.
1: Let's open our word this morning. Let's open the Bible to Second John. Last week, we finished the final chapter of uh, John's first letter. He wrote three epistles, 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John. The first letter was written more to a general audience. The second letter here is really addressed to a specific woman and her children. And the third letter, which we are going to get to next week, Lord willing, is uh, to a specific man again. His name is Gaius. And uh, this letter... They were, they were short letters, this letter that we're reading today. In fact, John's second letter is the shortest book in the Bible. And it's the shortest letter in the Bible of all the letters of Paul and John. It's the shortest And it was a short letter because John's hope, as he stated at the conclusion of this letter, was to speak to this lady and her children face to face. And so he didn't go into any great detail, but he he listed the main things that he wanted to minister to them. And so it was a very brief letter written on a single piece of parchment at that time. And this letter was written sometime between 90 to 95 A.D., again, and the main themes of this letter was, is really simple, and, and it's to love one another and to beware of antichrist deceptions. Antichrist deceptions, because remember, if you recall the very first letter that we spent weeks in, in 1 John, uh, the, this letter is no different. It's addressed at the same time to uh, the general time frame, and the, and the problem back at this time in the infancy of the church was Gnosticism. Gnosticism was a, um, a belief, uh, uh, they, they held knowledge really high, hidden knowledge especially, uh, that, that there's, there's knowledge that one can attain and one can know, and it's superior to all. And the Gnostics, they did not believe that Jesus was fully God and fully man. They believed that he was a ghost or that he was some kind of phantom, and thus they denied his incarnation uh, that, it would, uh, that he could bear the punishment for the sin of mankind. And there was also another form uh, of this heresy which was dominant at that time, and that was led by a man named Serinthus, and he contended that the, that Christ's spirit descended on, in, uh, on the human Jesus at his baptism, but left him just before his crucifixion. But we know through the Bible that that is not true. He was fully God and fully man, and it's a mystery to us how that can happen, but he The God-man, Jesus Christ, God in in human flesh, died on that cross, and he was resurrected the third day, and then 40 days later ascended into heaven. So he was all that the Bible says he is, regardless of what anyone else thinks, regardless of what the Gnostics thought. And isn't it interesting that even today, there's there's always a movement in every generation, several movements to try and remove the deity of Christ, or to remove his humanity, or to remove both people are confused about who he is, but if they read the word of God, they would understand that he was both. He was both God, fully God, and he was both man. He is our representative, and he died in our place. Amen? Amen. Let's read the entire letter. It's a very short letter, and then we'll get right into it. It says, The elder to the elect lady and her children, whom I love in truth, and not only I, but also those who have known the truth. Because of the truth which abides in us and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace be with you from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth and love. He says, I rejoice greatly that I have found some of your children walking in truth as we receive commandment from the Father. And now I plead with you, lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment to you, but that which we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment, that as you have heard from the beginning, you should walk in it. For many deceivers have gone out into the world who do not confess Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist." Look to yourselves, that we do not lose those things we work for, but that we may receive a full reward. Whoever transgresses and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ does not have God. But he who abides in the doctrine of Christ has both the Father and the Son. And if anyone comes to you and does not bring this doctrine, do not receive him into your house, nor greet him. For he who greets him shares in his evil deeds." Having many things to write to you, I do not wish to do so with paper and ink, but I hope to come to you and speak face to face, that our joy may be full. The children of your elect sister greet you. Amen. Amen. So a very short letter to a very specific woman. Let's go back to verse 1. It says, The elder... And and this obviously is referring to John. There's no mention of John's name in this epistle, but we know that it is him. And uh, the the word elder there is presbyteros, which, which literally means an aged man, a senior, someone who is advanced in ministry, advanced in life. And certainly John at this time was a very old man, having written this letter from Ephesus. And so he writes, the elder... To the elect lady and her children whom I love, I agapeo in truth. And not only I, but also those who have known the truth. You see, there's no reason that, uh, that this is some cryptic message uh, pertaining to members of the church. There are some who believe that this is just uh, some kind of cryptic way of, you know, addressing the lady as like the bride of Christ, like we are. But it, it's specific, and, um, and so we believe that uh, what he says is, is true. A specific person. And her specific name was not mentioned, unlike the third epistle, where he mentions Gaius' name uh, explicitly. And he may have done this, uh, or not done this, because of persecution. Because we know that persecution was happening at that time, great persecution. So to name her by name specifically would put her in jeopardy. Her and her family. And the word lady there is a Greek word, kyria. I love that word, kyria. And it literally means lady. It's a specific woman. And the rule of thumb in biblical interpretation is if the first sense makes sense, don't look for any other sense. There's no read to go looking if things make sense the first pass through. Now, there are things in the Bible that are a mystery. But when we read it, we can read it at face value and take it as it is. But notice what he says to the elect lady and her children, whom I love. And the truth, the truth, the truth is so important. It, it, it's reality. It's it's fact. It's certainty. That's what truth is. Remember Jesus when he in John chapter fourteen verse six. This is one of my favorite verses in all the Bible, and hopefully is yours too. Jesus said, "I am the way, the truth, and the life." And it's the same exact word here. I'm the truth. Jesus is the truth. He's the full embodiment of all that is true. And it's reality. It's not something that's some story that somebody made up. Some like to live in falsehood and believe in a different reality, to believe in a lie. And they have that right, I guess. But we live in reality. And there's no one more real than Jesus Christ. The reality of what we can't see is in many ways, more real than what we're experiencing today. Because there's no fooling anybody in the spiritual realm, is there? You can't fool God. We can fool each other, and the whole world is filled with deceit, and we don't know exactly what's right and what's wrong. I mean, we know what's right, but most of the world, they have no clue. Everything is variable. It's, it's just uh, relative, but there is a truth, and it's embodied in a, in a person. He is the way, he is the only way, he is the only truth, and he, Jesus Christ, is the only life. And so he goes on and he says, uh, This elder, uh, to, to this elect lady and your children whom I love in the truth, and not only I, but also those who have known the truth, because of the truth which abides in us and will be with us forever. Notice that word abide. This word John, we've looked at this over the, last, uh, the first letter that we had uh, looked at, John used this word a lot, and it's a, it's a, it's a state of permanence. It's a state of, of to stand, to remain, to abide, to remain. And notice, we will be with him forever. He is with us forever. You see, the truth abides in us if we are born again. Are you born again this morning? Do you know that Jesus Christ, this very Spirit of God, indwells you? See, that's what a Christian is. A born-again Christian is what is truly meant by being a Christian. There should be no other variation of the term. And it's funny, because today you call yourself a Christian, and depending on the context, it could mean a variety of different things. But when the Bible specifies a Christian, it means a born-again Christian, a believer in Jesus Christ, one who has the Spirit of God in them. That is what being born-again really means. And that's what being a Christian is. And many of you who have come out of the Catholic Church, and again, I'm not here to bash the people, but I, I can tell you that the Lord is not very happy with their doctrine. But many of you who I've talked to have come out of the Catholic Church. You've been labeled by them as having being involved in a cult if you're born again. They look at you as if you're uh, part of a cult. But yet, this is what the Bible tells us. It tells us that we need to be born again. Jesus said those words. These aren't made-up words. But there are those who follow teachings of a man other than God, and and we call these religions cults. Jesus is God, so that settles it for us. But there are cults like the Jehovah's Witness who follow the teachings of a man, Charles Taze Russell, and also Joseph Smith of the Mormon Church. They are true cults, because you follow their teachings. But we follow Jesus, who is God in the flesh. This is no cult. It is a relationship with the true and the living God, does everybody follow me? Be encouraged in that, because a cult is someone who follows a man and his teachings, but we follow God and his teaching. Very simple, and it even makes sense, doesn't it? It rings true in your heart, and it's all true. It's all true. But the truth, the Holy Spirit, he abides in us. and in fact, you know, when we look at that, you know John says. The truth abides in us and will be with us forever. In John chapter 14, you recall that night before Jesus was betrayed, just hours before he'd be betrayed by Judas in that upper room as they were eating the Passover. You remember Jesus says, If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you, what? Forever. He may abide with you forever. Aren't you glad that God stays with you through the thick and thin, through the difficult and through the good times? But especially through the difficult times, He's there with you. Do you know that He's with you? Do you pray to Him? Do you cry out to Him when you're going through the thick of it? We really need to. He desires us to. But notice He goes on and He says, The Spirit of truth. This helper that he 's going to abide with you forever, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you notice will be in you he 's going to abide with you forever isn 't that what John is saying here? He abides with you, and he 'll be with you forever in first John chapter two verse twenty seven we read this several weeks ago. John says, "But the anointing which you have received from Christ abides in you, and you do not need that anyone teach you. But as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things, and is true, and is not a lie, and just as it has been taught you, you will abide in Him. You will abide in Him. But see, the Spirit of God indwells us. And for those of you who are new here this morning, you need to know that God, when you are born again, when you become a Christian." To be a Christian, you need to have the Spirit of God indwelling you. In John chapter 20, beginning in verse 19, on the Sunday evening of Jesus' resurrection, the very same night that Jesus was resurrected from the grave, he appeared in the room with his disciples. And then the same day at evening it says... In John 20, verse 19, being the first day of the week when the doors were shut, the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews. Jesus came and he stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be unto you. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, Peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And then he did something really interesting. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit this was way this was days before Pentecost occurred. so what happened at this moment? I believe that the disciples at this moment were born again. the Spirit of God entered them, and they received Christ and they were a Christian at that at that time. They were born again. The first time we hear of God breathing on a life is in the Garden of Eden. Remember in the creation of man he he took Adam and he formed him out of the dust of the ground, and then he, res- he breathed the breath of life into him, and he became a living soul. But now Jesus breathes on his disciples that they might receive the new birth. The first birth happened in the garden. The new birth happens through the breath of God, the very Spirit of God indwelling the believer. And if you're a believer in Christ, you know that that has happened to you. You know that you are a child of God. And I pray that you have that assurance, because the Bible teaches assurance and you need to have that assurance in the days that we live in today because so many things are at odds with you and even your own heart and your own thoughts are running a million miles an hour and you're always looking at your own performance and seeing how you don't stack up to the truth of what you believe i don't feel that way either does anyone feel like they 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 they, they they're doing all the right things all the time we don't we don't do we but you need to have that assurance. So, Because as John says here, because of the truth which abides in us and will be with us forever, Jesus is never going to leave you. He's never going to forsake you. In fact, Jesus, in, um, the, the angel Gabriel speaking to Joseph in Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, he says, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being translated means God with us. He's going to be with us to the end. And you recall at the very end of this Gospel of Matthew in the 28th chapter, the very last couple of verses in 19... Jesus said to his disciples, Now go therefore, and this is the the great commission, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things which I have commanded you. And here it is, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And we are at the end of the end of the age. I believe that. We are at the end. Things are coming into, into focus like they've never come and they just keep getting clearer and clearer as time goes on. About 20 years ago, I thought they were pretty clear. And now it's getting clearer and it's getting clearer. And I'm starting to ask myself, Lord, how much more time is going to go before, you know, you just let this thing go? And you come and retrieve your bride from the earth? How long is it going to take? It could be any time. But one of the things that John was combating in this letter to this lady, was the fact that they were false teachers teaching wrong things, teaching things to deceive the people. Because, see, there are people who call themselves Christians, but they believe that the virgin birth is a fable and that it's not possible. They also believe that there's reasonable explanations for the miracles that Jesus did. They also uh, believe that that, that Jesus is not the only way to salvation. How can we call ourselves Christians? How can we? call ourselves a Christian, and think these things? How can we call ourselves a Christian? This is going to hit home because these are two of the hottest topics in the world today and in our country. How can we call ourselves a Christian if we think abortion is okay? How can we call ourselves a Christian if we think homosexuality and heterosexual fornication is okay? You cannot and should not call yourself a Christian if you believe these things are okay. Why? Because Jesus said so. It says so in his word. Let's just take a short tangent here and look at abortion. We call ourselves a Christian. What do we believe? Do we believe these things? And there are people who do. I don't, I don't understand it because the Bible's very clear. On January 22nd of this year, the Reproductive Health Act was passed in the New York State Senate by a vote of 38 to 24. And it was actually on the 46th anniversary of the United States Supreme Court Roe versus Wade ruling. I don't know if you knew that. The State Assembly passed the Reproductive Health Act 92 to 47 on the same day, and it was signed into law by Governor Cuomo that evening. And the the, uh, Reproductive Health Care Act uh, legalized abortion at any time, when necessary, to protect a woman's life or health, or in the absence of fetal viability. The Act allows licensed health care practitioners, other than physicians, to perform abortions if doing so fails within their lawful scope of practice, And according to uh, CBS New York, the act also repealed criminal charges for harming children in the womb, but not harming pregnant women. Certainly, you don't want to harm a pregnant woman, but that life is in her. That's a life. It's a life. They believe that before birth, you're not a person. But God says that I knew you before I formed you in the womb. What did he say to Jeremiah? Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet of the nations. So even before he was even conceived in the womb, God knew him, and he knew his plan for his life. And is the same true for you and I? I believe it is, because God has a plan for each one of us, and it's our great joy to know what that is, isn't it? I love what David said in the Psalms. He says, Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you, but the night shines as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to you. For you formed my inward parts, and you covered me. Literally, you wove me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made, and marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My frame, literally, my bones, was not hidden from you when I was made in secret, and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. And your eyes saw my substance yet being unformed, and in your book they were all written, the day's fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. How precious are your thoughts toward me, O God! How great is the sum of them! If I could count them, they'd be more than the sand of the sea. So what do you believe? Job said in Job chapter 10, verse 8, Your hands have made me and fashioned me, an intricate unity, that's what he said. How important is this? And in Exodus chapter 20 verse 13, the Ten Commandments, one of them is you shall not murder that's why one of the biggest things that they want to do for ladies who are pregnant today is to give them an ultrasound when they go in for an abortion. To give them an ultrasound and let them see this child. This is not some just fetal tissue that has no meaning, has no substance. No. We read from Psalm 139 how God intricately wove that, that person in the womb. And ladies, if you've had an abortion in the past, there's no reason to feel uh, condemned this morning. If you've received Christ, that thing is old news. God has forgiven you. And if for some reason And today, you haven't given your heart to Christ. Ask God to forgive you. He wants to forgive you, He wants to set you free. But it is murder. Do you understand? It is murder. And homosexuality, that's another pet in our culture. But yet, God says in Leviticus 18, verse 22, you shall not lie with a male as with a woman. It is an abomination. In Leviticus chapter 20, it says if a man lies with a male as
0: he... I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as we continue our study in John's epistles. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140.